Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep it simple. How many times have you said that? How many times has somebody said that to you in this lifetime? Just keep it simple. Keep it simple. It's simple. Keep it simple. I like simple. That's why I like me. (laughs) The truth is, though, when it comes to things like political movements, when it comes to things like riots and protests, sometimes it's not simple. Sometimes it's extremely complicated. Sometimes it's good and bad at the same time. We look at what we've seen for the past week. You've seen the news. You've seen my show. You've seen all these videos I'm going to show you. Shootings, lootings, peaceful protests. You've seen it all. You've seen it run the gamut. You've seen every race represented at these things. And so it's easy to fall into the trap of, they're all scum. They're all Antifa. They're all black. They're all white. None of that stuff's true. None of that stuff's true. If we're going to actually attack the problem we have right now, and that's the looting and violence, then we have to be frank about what exactly we're looking at. The truth is, it's not simple. The truth is, it's complicated. 
There are a lot of things going on with every single video we see. The truth is, a lot of these people are Antifa. Paid, organized, bust in from out of town. No question about it. A lot of these people we see, run-of-the-mill suburban white kids, bored, crappy parents who didn't teach them the proper values, sitting at home, too much time on their hands, all done playing Xbox for the day. Oh, I hear they're having a riot in town. Well, screw it, it's not my place, let's go. Hey, grab some bricks. So that's a lot of what you see. You see the dancing and stuff like that. Make sure you get, make sure you get it on Instagram. That's a lot of it. A lot of it's black people in communities that feel like they've been crushed by the system in some way. Fine. Peacefully protest all day long. A lot of it's black gangs taking advantage of this to try to make money by doing the same scumbag things they always do, which is prey on the black community itself. There, there are a million different groups involved in this. So it's not simple. But allow us to focus, really, tonight on the scumbags. That's what we're going to do. I loved what I heard from A.G. Barr when he stood up and said, eh, it's complicated. As I told the governors on Monday, we understand the distinction between three different sets of actors here. The large preponderance of those who are protesting are peaceful demonstrators who are exercising their First Amendment rights. At some demonstrations, however, there are groups that exploit the opportunity to engage in such crimes as looting. And finally, at some demonstrations, there are extremist agitators who are hijacking the protests to pursue their own separate and violent agenda. We have evidence that Antifa and other similar extremist groups, as well as actors of a variety of different political uh, persuasions, have been involved in instigating and participating in the violent activity. And we are also seeing foreign actors playing all sides to exacerbate the violence. The Department of Justice is working to restore order in the District of Columbia and around the nation. Yeah, I like that. I like that. A man who acknowledges this is the problem. But let's talk about Antifa for a moment, because Trump, of course, took to Twitter and blasted away at him right away. Says the United States of America will be designating Antifa as a terrorist organization. They have already done that. He was right about that. Jenna Ellis came out and said this about him. And I think that President Trump took swept and decisive action here by uh, labeling the uh, Antifa as a domestic terrorist uh, organization. And, you know, this now allows, uh, as Attorney General Bill Barr said yesterday, uh, more of the federal resources to be involved with the FBI uh, Joint Terrorism Task Force, the U.S. Attorney's offices, and uh, local and state law enforcement to then uh, make sure to combat these acts of violent terrorism. Because, of course, you know, under the United States Constitution. We have the right to protest. We have the right to uh, to speech. We have the right to petition the government for redress of grievances. But these acts are nothing short of terrorism by mm. trying to coerce and influence government policy through violence. That's never the appropriate action. And so for President Trump, I think that this uh, was a very welcome designation. And uh, this is something that Attorney General Bill Barr has said uh, will certainly be enforced. 
Yes, all that's good. Antifa, what are they? Well, they're anarchists. And if you've ever seen a mugshot of Antifa for all the things they've been arrested for, what do they all have in common? They're all clearly losers. And I'm not trying that to just be insulting, although I am trying to be insulting because screw them. But they're all, it's always the face tattoos and the hair dyed green and it looks about half methed out of his mind. You know what I'm talking about. You can see a bunch of mugshots of Antifa and think, oh, losers. And that's what they are. These are, for whatever reason, maybe it's drugs, maybe just born losers. These are people who are the outcasts in society. They have found each other and they have been organized by somebody, by something. They are being organized. They are being paid. We know this at this point in time. We had a town, Coeur Iowa, who flat out caught them in a bunch of panel vans bussing their way into town with things to damage in Coeur It should also be noted the citizens of Coeur all armed themselves. The cops stopped them and said, turn around and get out. There's only trouble for you in here. And they did. That's what Antifa is. You want to designate them a domestic terrorist organization? Totally fine. Totally warranted. They have a goal to bring down the United States of America. And they saw these protests right away as a golden opportunity to play off the anger. So screw them. Now, that's it. Let's not do the easy thing and say, all the violence is Antifa. I knew it. This was only Antifa. It's certainly nobody within the black community. See how not racist I am? That's what you see so much of, and I can't stand it. I see it on our own side, too. People, we can have frank discussions about race. doesn't make you a racist. In fact, if you're unwilling to ever discuss race, I'm a little suspicious you might be one. We can have a discussion about it. There are plenty of black people in these riots who are doing bad things. Some of them, in honest moments like this, they're flat out telling you, I don't care about George Floyd. All right, man, we saw you at the New Balance store. Why are you out here? Uh, man, period, point blank. Just like all my real ones trying to do, trying to get some money. Explanation, that's it. Trying to get some dough, that's it. Just out here for the money? Yeah, pretty much. Anything to do with the protests, what happened in Minnesota? I mean, a little bit to do with that, too. You feel me? But not really. I'm out here for the dough. You know what? I know you're all going to be mad at me about this. I kind of like that guy. I'm sure he grew up rough. I'm not here to make excuses for him. He's a scumbag looter. I realize that. I like the honesty. No, I'm just here for money. I mean, yeah, kind of about Minnesota, but no, not really. I mean, do you have any money on you? <laughs> I, I appreciate the honesty. Remember, we've got people dying, though. This is not all fun and games out here. When we talk about Antifa, when we talk about the looters, when we talk about the rioters, people are dying in St. Louis, four cops were shot, and that ex-captain we showed you the other day, 77 years old, shot and killed. Here, listen to this. not a peaceful protest that's a war zone and 
I always have to put this disclaimer. I played this for you earlier in the week. I thought about not playing it again now. But I do want you to see this because we have to realize this. So this is ugly. It's only going to be a few seconds. This kind of stuff is happening right now. That's happening. That's not the only one. That's just the only one I'm going to show you. Say a prayer tonight for our police officers because these things are still going on. They will be going on for the foreseeable future. And there are guys out there, National Guard and police, putting their lives on the line. And you know what? Something else, as long as we're on the subject, these guys have families at home. Think what it feels like right now if you're the wife of one of those cops kissing him goodbye as he goes into work every day. You think she's having some anxiety out there? Say a prayer for these cops' families as well. Donald Trump, to his credit, tried to let everybody know you had better take control before it gets out of control. What happened in the state of Minnesota, they were uh, electric stuff all over the world. They took over the police department. The police were running down the street, sirens blazing, the rest of them running. It was on camera. And then they wiped out. You probably have to build a new one, but I've never seen anything like it. And, and the whole world was laughing. Two days, three days later, I spoke to the governor. The governor is, I think, by the quality the next one guy. And all of a sudden, and I said, you got to use the National Guard to take numbers. They did it first, and they did. And I'll tell you that, I don't know what it was. It was, Governor, it was the third night, fourth night. Those guys walked through that stuff like it was butter. They walked right through, and you haven't had any problems since. I mean, they don't. They're not going to go there. Now they'll go to some other place. But once you called out that you dominated you took the worst place and you made it. They didn't even cover it last night because there was so little action. Because you dominated. You dominated. Now, what happened to New York? I have to tell you, I live in Manhattan. What's going on in Manhattan? I have no idea. New York's finest. They've got to be allowed maybe to do their job. I don't know what's happening in Manhattan, but it's terrible. And because it's New York, because it's Manhattan, it gets a lot of press. So they, they really spend a lot of time on it. But New York is going to have to toughen up, and we'll send you National Guard if you want. You have the largest police force in the country, 40,000 people, I understand. But what's going on in New York is terrible. It's terrible. It is terrible. Here's a New York cop essentially saying, please, Trump, help. But NYPD is losing the city of New York. And we have no leadership in the city of New York right now. From City Hall through the brass of the NYPD, the men and women are being pelted with rocks, bricks, cars lit on fire, and this is continuous. We have a curfew that's been implemented tonight at 8 o'clock, and everyone is still out rioting in the streets of New York. If President Trump is watching this, I am asking the president to please, please, immediately send federal personnel to New York City and monitor what is going on. If Governor Cuomo does not implement the National Guard immediately, then the federal government is going to have to step in. 
The NYPD is more than capable of addressing what's going on in the city of New York, but our hands are being tied. The rank and file members of all ranks have sent me numerous emails, letters, text messages, photos of how New York City is being destroyed. We have no leadership coming from City Hall. We are being told to stand down. This is the far left's um, version of broken windows. That is a horrifying, horrifying video if you actually listen to that man's words. And it's exactly what I've been telling you for a while now. We are seeing America race this way. And sadly, America's cities, many of these cities I love, New York City being maybe my favorite place in the world, they're going to be absolute hellholes if things don't turn around. They're turning into wastelands. We have these mayors like de Blasio in New York openly working with the rioters against his own police department. That is insane. And yet that's where we are. We're going to talk to a New York cop here in just a moment. We got all kinds of good stuff for you tonight. But first, you need some sleep, right? Not right now, obviously, but as soon as the show's over, probably going to be done. Uh, look, who wouldn't want to go to bed and watch me first and then just lay in bed and dream about how magnificent I'm right was that night? Get an ebb sleep, though. Even though I may be soothing, you need an ebb sleep. An ebb sleep is a wearable device. I have one. You put it on your head. It cools your forehead area, which calms your thoughts down and puts you to sleep. If you're one of these people who lays in bed and your mind starts racing and you stay awake, you need this. Start getting seven, eight hours of sleep every single night. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Use the promo code jesse at checkout. Get yourself 25 bucks off too. Ebb sleep. All right, we'll be back. Joining me now is a man with a resume so long, I'm going to have to look to the side and read half of it before I actually introduce the guy. His name is Lieutenant Stephen Rogers. He's a retired police lieutenant, former president of the New Jersey Police Community Relations Officer Association, United States Navy commander, former member of the FBI National Joint Terrorism Task Force. My word, Stephen. One... How often have you heard Captain America jokes because of your name? All the time, all the time. In fact, when I'm uh, on a lot of the media outlets, they say we are now introducing Captain America. So at one point, I decided <laughs> to take a shield with me. <laughs> of course, of course. All right, before we get into all the craziness out there right now, which is plenty of ugliness we're going to talk about, why a resume like that? I mean, that is a long life of service right there. Why? Is that just you an action junkie or what? No, uh, my father and my mother always taught us to give back when the good Lord gives to us. And I thought in my life, the best way to give back was to serve the country. So I did become a police officer. Uh, actually, right out of high school during the Vietnam War, I went into the Air Force uh, never went to Vietnam, but I served during that war. And then later on in life, I joined the Navy uh, and then got commissioned as an officer, worked for the Office of Naval Intelligence, and at the same time was a police officer in New Jersey. So I had two careers going at the same time. 
uh, the war had started, the war in Iraq. I was mobilized and uh, uh, sent away for two years uh, working for military intelligence, and then came right back to my job as a police officer. And the one thing you don't have in there is I ran for the city council and won twice. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sorry. I, we probably ran out of paper. We couldn't print the whole daggone thing. All right, Stephen. What are we seeing right Well, you know what? Before I ask about the actual conditions on the ground, we had a, a New York police officer, a New York City police officer. We played a video clip of him saying, President Trump, send in the National Guard. We have no leadership. We're being handicapped here. Can you speak to the importance as a cop of leadership within your own police department, within your city, the backing of your mayor or having your mayor against you? Can you speak to that? Yes, I could. It is very, very important that the political leadership in a city stand shoulder to shoulder with their police officers who are doing their jobs according to law. What we saw happen in Minneapolis is, is a tragedy beyond belief. It made us all sick. And those police officers certainly uh, deserve to uh, go to prison for a long time. But saying that, we have seen the uh, legitimate and very passionate protest regarding the death of Mr. Floyd uh, get hijacked from those individuals in this country who serve no purpose but to uh, attempt to tear down this country. And they're attacking police, they're beating police, they're shooting police. And you have a mayor in the city of New York and you have Governor Cuomo actually criticizing the police. And I got to tell you, when the mayor uh, of a city or a governor of a state decide that they're going to publicly announce that there's going to be investigations regarding these protests and then say they're investigating the police, that runs a chill up and down the spine of police officers nationwide. Stephen, I don't understand why anybody would be a big city cop these days because of this situation, because of the condition of our cities. I get the calling to be a cop. I get the calling for a life of service. Why do it in a place like New York City right now where you know you don't have, nobody has your back. You're on your own. Basically, you're with your fellow guys, and that's all you've got. Well, you're absolutely right. And, you know, we hear a lot today about defunding the police. I think L.A. is going to be doing that. They won't have to worry about defunding the police. There's going to be nobody left to join the police ranks. Recruiting to begin with was at low levels. I could imagine what's going to happen now. And believe me, it's an honorable profession. It's a great profession. It's the police who are honorable people in an honorable profession. But you know what is not the honorable so-called profession? Politics. These politicians are not honorable people. And they're the ones that have planted the seeds of divisiveness across this country, not the cops. Has you seen this ramp up, or are we just seeing it on the news ramp up? I mean, you had this long career of 8,000 years of service in various, various, uh, every service you could possibly do. You've done it. Have you seen it get worse in recent years, or are we just now noticing it because of social media and everything else? Well, it's a great question. I have actually seen improvements over the years in my 38-year career. The introduction of community policing, of, of the introduction of getting the clergy involved with police departments in the community. Uh, you got 800,000 police officers, you know, law enforcement officers in this country. And when you see uh, an incident like this, the media seems to just focus all its attention on the bad and none on the good. But I'll tell you, uh, I was able to trace this back as to how this all began. I mentioned this last night to people. If you go back to the 60s, there was a desire for the people of this country to get God, God out of our lives, uh, 
schools began to talk about socialism being better than capitalism. Uh, there was a, uh, you didn't learn about civics anymore. You didn't learn about the pride of American history. You didn't learn about the uh, men and women who fought in World War One and World War Two. And think about this. When we see Iwo Jima, right? We all seen the Iwo Jima and the Marines put the flag up. You know what we don't see? We don't see their ages, 17, 18, 19 year old kids that fought for this country, getting shot down in B-17 bombers. You know, a couple days from now, I think it's tomorrow, June 6th, right? We're gonna be uh, D-Day. They're gonna be celebrating and, and, and honoring the D-Day veterans. So but my question is, and here's a chilling question for even you to think about, if we end there, ever end up in a war, I mean, a real war, Will these young people stand up and fight for their country like they're fighting the police on the streets here? And by, by the way, they're also fighting the black community, the white community. They're fighting all of us. For what reason? Well, the seeds were planted way back about socialism. And now we're reaping the, if you would, would the, the rewards of those seeds. Stephen, do we still have systemic racism with the police departments in black communities, especially in these urban centers? I'm focusing on these urban centers because we're not seeing these riots outside of America's major cities. Is there a systemic police racism problem? I don't want to be ignorant to it. No, there is not. Uh, and the, the statistics prove that. You will find through research, and by the way, research by, by black researchers, uh, they explain that more uh, white people are shot by uh, uh, white officers than black people are. Uh, you find that uh, uh, there's white cops and black cops and all kinds of cops out there who are treating people fairly and decently, saving their lives. I, I could Let me give you an example. Chicago, every single weekend, people are being murdered in Chicago, shot to death. Well, it's black on black crime. I mean, that's no secret. The cops, white, black, no matter what ethnicity they are, they wanna go in and help the people. They want to go in and stop crime. But unfortunately, the political will uh, is, is off. It's just going off on the sidelines. There seems to be no desire on the part of these politicians to go and help the people. So when we talk about racism, indeed, there are racists. There's, there's racists in all professions, but certainly it's not an epidemic, not at all. What role do you give the media for all this nonsense? It just seems to me like all they do is pour gasoline on the fire and make sure people are angrier and angrier and angrier. Well, you know, I've seen the media as you have over the years. I remember the days of Walter Cronkite. He must be like rolling over in his grave right now. Uh, there used to be something called journalism. It doesn't exist anymore in this country. Uh, every time we turn the TV on and CNN and MSNBC especially, uh, they, they're adding fuel to the fires of racism. Uh, they're not doing anything to heal the, to help heal the, the country, to help bring people together. Now, they would argue that point. But, you know, when you turn your TV on and MSNBC and CNN are constantly chasing down uh, rioters to interview them, uh, where are the interviews of the police, of the cops on the front line that are getting spit on and, and bricks thrown at them? So, you know, it's, it's right in front of us. And there is a very serious socialist agenda being advanced in this country. And, and here's what I tell people. Talk to someone who was in Venezuela. Talk to someone who lived in the Soviet Union. Talk to them about so, uh, socialism that leads to communism. And that's the road we're going down if we don't put a stop to this now. Stephen Rogers, thank you for your life of service, for your comments tonight. I appreciate you, sir. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Be good.
We got even more. Hang on. America, Americans are obsessed with race. I find it to be bizarre. I grew up differently, especially in the Marine Corps. We were obviously all kinds of races in my platoon, and we were ruthless to each other about it. That's all we did was joke about it, and as a result, nobody cared. And I get out, and I find that Americans are just obsessed with this word. So we're going to talk to David Harris about this. David J. Harris joining us now, part of the David J. Harris podcast and part of Black Voices for Trump. David, I find it very weird that Americans are so up in arms about it all the time that whenever somebody says they're having a frank conversation about it, almost inevitably that just means somebody's being made to feel like crap and someone else is being told to shut up about it. What are your views on it? Yeah, Jesse, it's very interesting exactly what we uh, what we have to deal with in this country. You know, I grew up, uh, I'm biracial. My mother is white of Irish descent. Uh, my dad is very black, and uh, I was raised in, a, in an area that was predominantly white in Northern California. Uh, I dealt with racism from the black individuals, you know, the ones that were dark or that like my dad, that said, you know, you're not black. And then obviously I also dealt with uh, the racist white individuals that didn't see me as anything other than black. So I was stuck in the middle. You know, I, I talk about that a lot in my book, Why I Couldn't Stay Silent. Uh, shameless plug, you can get that on my website, davidharrisjr.com. But uh, I talk about that because it was very interesting for me growing up to try to figure out where I fit in. And obviously, I, I, you look at me, you don't see a white person, yet that's half of my heritage, half of my lineage. So I think there is definitely an unhealthy reliance on defining an individual based on the color of their skin. You know, the great Martin Luther King Jr. said, judge a person by the character, not by the color of their skin, yet that seems to be just what so many people uh, want to do, and I'll say this, it's mostly coming from the left and from Democrats that say find your identity in the color of your skin and vote based on that fact as well. Is that where the division really comes from? Because that's what it looks like to me, too. Honestly, you get anybody of all, my neighborhood is a gigantic mixture of all kinds of races, and we all get together and we play cornhole on the weekends, and we have a couple beers, we talk about the kids, and if we ever talk about race, we're joking with each other about it, and that's how it looks in every small setting. But then you get this national setting, and it looks like we're on the verge of a race war. It's bizarre. Well, it is bizarre, but I, I think that I see the intent behind it. You know, the mainstream media is predominantly liberal. They supported Barack Obama, uh, Bill Clinton to no end. Uh, they, they couldn't do anything wrong in, in the liberal media's eyes. And they, they understand also that culture is downstream from, uh, politics is downstream from culture. And they want to make everybody feel like they're in a box. They don't want to, you know, preach and scream and talk about the American dream for all people. Uh, they want people to feel victimized. They want people to feel like they're victims and that they have to vote based on that victimhood mentality. And it, it's, it should, shouldn't be what the main focus is for any individual. We live in the greatest country in the world with the most opportunities for anyone. Uh, it's funny to me that so many black celebrities are championing this same victimhood mentality when they're filthy, stinking rich and got rich in this country. Uh, I don't see any white privilege that kept them from becoming some of the juggernauts of the sports industry or the Hollywood industry or the rap industry. 
Uh, in fact, it was probably majorly like white Americans that actually uh, were the ones that supported them in their journey and bought their CDs or bought the tickets or bought the jerseys and actually gave them the wealth that they've gotten. So it's true hypocrisy in my book. David, obviously, I'm assuming we have some police officers who are racist because I believe that every human being holds some kind of prejudice in them. And eventually, you're going to get to a crappy cop. There's too many cops to not have a crappy cop. However, do we have a racism problem with America's law enforcement? You can tell me if we do. Do we have a racism problem or do we just have a crappy cop problem? I believe we have a crappy cop problem. I believe that we have individuals that sought to get the badge in order to wield that power, they'll wield it over anybody. And I believe that while there are prejudices that exist in the hearts and minds of individuals, I don't believe that that's how we paint a broad stroke over all of law enforcement officers. I believe most officers are good-hearted individuals that wanted to protect and serve their community. A lot of black individuals that got into law enforcement to protect and serve their own community. And it's disgusting that they're all being painted as racist. I, I don't believe that one bit. David, you mentioned growing up you were half Irish, which is the part I cheered about because that's me, and half black. And you mentioned you took that on a lot, getting it from both sides, if you will. Have you seen race relations, obviously not with the burning down of cities, but have you seen that part of your life improve as America got older and you got older, or do you still think it's always just there? I believe that it has gotten better. You know, I believe that as America grows and flourishes, so do the hearts and minds of Americans. You know, I continue to hear from so many, especially after the absolute tragedy of uh, the death of George Floyd, I have so many white Americans that are offering apologies to me. And I'm like, you don't need to apologize to me. You didn't do it. You can't take the weight and the brunt of the guilt from one individual that was acting out of his own reasons, still has yet to be proven if it was him being racist or if it was just him wielding his power. I believe he had 17 cases of excessive abuse. He murdered a Native American man. Uh, Amy Klobuchar let him off and didn't prosecute him. So I believe we have an individual here that is absolutely just uh, high on his own power, drunk on power, and in no way, shape, or form represents all of law enforcement. I don't believe that racism in America today will keep anybody from achieving whatever they set their mind and heart to to go after. Uh, it's, it is the American dream for all of us, and it's continuing to get better, especially under the leadership of this current administration. David, is there an ingrained distrust in the black community when it comes to police officers? Is that just something that's played up in the news? Is that just, you know, maybe a big city part and not as much of a, of a rural part? Is there that ingrained distrust in the black community? You know, I believe, unfortunately, there is. But I believe it's twofold. I believe it's not only that it is it's exploited by mainstream media when a white cop shoots or, or uses excessive force on a black individual, uh, but I also believe that it's ingrained from the black community to the black community. You don't know how many of my black brothers and sisters and family that just have it out for Republicans. They believe the lie. They believe the big switch that all of a sudden all of the Democrats that were, that were for uh, segregation, that, that became the KKK, uh, that were for Jim Crow, all of a sudden switched and became the champions for civil rights. Uh, so they, they, they believe that. And then at the same time, the party that was actually founded as the anti-slavery party, all of a sudden just became the party of racist. I mean, it's really insane to me that for 60 years, the majority of the black community has believed that lie. Yet I believe that and I hope that uh, with voices like mine and others in this conservative movement, 
I hope that lie absolutely gets exposed for what it is because it's just ridiculous. So uh, unfortunately, I believe there is a, there is a, an ingrainment in the black community for that. But you know what? There's also something in the black community that's, that says snitches get stitches. You know, there's this, there's this unnecessary support for when a black man kills another black individual. We can't forget that over 90% of black individuals in this country are killed at the hands of other black individuals, not whites and not white cops. And every time I see a Black, Light, Black, a Black Lives Matter protest or march, you know, take that same passion and go into these inner cities and these black neighborhoods where blacks are getting murdered at an exorbitant rate. It's just, it's unnecessary to protest and march over, uh, over, over one individual. I understand that and I acknowledge that, but then to not do it in black communities where black on black crime is so, uh, uh, is so abundant is just, it baffles me. David, I think we have more than a race issue, what we're seeing right now. I think we have a bored, unemployed, angry young man issue. I think no matter what your skin color is, when you have young men without direction, full of testosterone, oftentimes without a job, especially now since we wiped out about 50 million jobs, I think that is a big part of this powder keg explosion we're seeing right now. Do you agree? Absolutely. You know, if... If there was, and again, I, I try not to get into conspiracy theories until they're proven fact, because that's all a theory is, is something that hasn't been proven fact. But conspiracies do take place. It's just people conspiring to get away with something without others knowing. So this big, you know, uh, oh, we can't talk about conspiracy theories. Well, unfortunately, a lot of them are, are being proved fact. If there was, in fact, a, a, a conspiracy to try to rip away this current election, uh, which I believe would be a landslide for President Donald Trump from the black community, uh, it would be exacerbating a death like George Floyd, having Antifa in the, in the wings ready to go out, take over these marches. I was at one yesterday, and it was interesting that after the march that was peaceful and ended in prayer, when it ended, individuals still st stood around, and then they began to lead a second march, and it was a white person that was fully masked, uh, had a face mask, a hat, glasses, kept his hand over his face, looked like Antifa to me, and he was leading the second half of the march where they walked for an additional two hours uh, against oncoming traffic, making the local police literally shift and uh, go to try to stop traffic to keep safety there. Thank God it didn't, it didn't uh, end with violence, but again, it just goes to show me that there is an agenda at work. The radical left will use the emotions of Americans against ourselves and then when violence does break out or mayhem or destruction breaks out, the black individuals get blamed for it. David J. Harris of the David J. Harris Podcast. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you very much. Absolutely, brother. Thanks for having me on. Be good. All right. Hang on. It is time for the man with the greatest head of hair I've ever seen in my life to join us. Obviously, he's not going to need an introduction to you because you can see him every single day right here on the first. You can hear him on the national radio airwaves. He's this big shot star, and I know him, Buck Sexton. Buck, how are things in New York, brother? I'm looking at the news, and it, uh, yikes, it's not looking good up there. Jesse, have you seen the movie The Purge? where everything <laughs> is legal and there's no cops? 
it's been a little, it's been a little bit like that, uh, especially on Monday night when I mean I could hear the mayhem. There are stores that I can see from my window uh, of my very small apartment. I can see the stores that have uh, had their glass fronts broken into. It wasn't really looting. You know, there was some looting, but sometimes they would just go past a 7-Eleven or a Dwayne Reed or CVS or whatever and just break it, just break the glass just because they felt like it. Um, this city is now thinking about cutting the police budget in response to overwhelmed police forces. The left is in full control here. Conservatives like you and me have been warning about this for a very long time, and the left has completely lost its mind. They cannot be reasoned with. So that's how we're doing. Are, have you been out and about? I'm assuming you haven't been locked in your apartment, or maybe you have. I know you're still under lockdown rules unless you're assaulting a cop somewhere, and then you're free to go, and they'll just let you right out of jail in that insane place where you live. But if you have been out... Did you feel safe? Does it feel like a war zone? Is this taking place someplace far from you? I'm out every day, and I'm out in the open air, not wearing a mask, and uh, and just trying to live my life as normally as I can under very abnormal circumstances. Uh, I will say this, it, it, you know, there's a curfew. So after 8 o'clock, you actually can be arrested for being on the street unless you have a, a legitimate you know, reason for it. Um, and, and the answer to your question, is it safe on the streets? In my neighborhood Monday night, uh, if you were out on the street and you did not have a sidearm, you were, you were in danger. Um, it was dangerous. It was not safe. I don't care how big and tough someone thinks they are unless you were armed. And because it's New York, if you were armed, you're facing, if you get caught, several years in prison. So that's the scene up here in terms of safety. Well, Buck, I, I, I need you to shoot me straight on this. Have you ever had a negative encounter with a police officer where you said, do you know who I am? I'm Buck Sexton. <laughs> no, uh, I can't say that's ever happened, but I did used to have a cool little ID as someone who worked for the NYPD, and maybe that occasionally helps out if you get pulled over for speeding or parking ticket. Maybe. But uh, I've heard rumors that that might be helpful if you work for the NYPD and you get in trouble with the NYPD on small stuff. Uh, but no, I, I, I have to say, man, here, the, 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 the truth is finally coming out that this is, this is not about, everyone wants to talk about how it's about justice. This is an anti-cop movement. When you're saying defund the police, that's using a blunt, a blunt instrument against law enforcement. That's not taking a scalpel at the bad parts of law enforcement. It's appalling. Uh, but like I said, I mean, th this is this is really also just another mobilization of anti-Trumpism, as you and I know. It's what the COVID response became: a mobilization of control and anti-Trumpism. And in New York, it still is very much that. People aren't mad at the right people in New York. They should be mad at the mayor. They should be mad at the governor. Instead, they're mad at Trump. That's the way that they managed to get away with all this. Buck, how did we get here as a society? Because I have to be honest, man, and I try not to do this thing where I live in the moment. I talk about history all the time on my radio show. I, I, I pay attention to it. But I feel like all this has just been cranked up to a 1,000 
in about three months. I mean, people forget because everybody's watching the riots now. We're only a few weeks removed from mayors and governors, who many of whom are still doing it, saying, you have to close your business and I'll allow you to open, but you're not allowed and you're not allowed. And everybody just went along with it. And now we have many people, even, even people on the right, saying, wow, I mean, they're just a bunch of peaceful protesters. Are you a racist? Jesse, it's like we, we now have a divide in America between left and right that's really like we're living in al alternate universes or, or you know reality. We're not, we're not living in a shared reality anymore that there weren't protests about the lockdowns, but and, and there weren't allowed to be, which I think was a part of it too. We all saw that. They were suppressing them. You're going to get in trouble and you were going to be defamed as reckless and putting lives at risk if you protested the lockdown. The lockdowns should have been protested after two weeks, everywhere in the country, every day until the government relented, and that didn't happen. Instead, we're finally getting out of lockdown. Even in New York, we're supposed to be pretty close, and now all the protests happen because of one bad cop in Minneapolis killing someone? It, I mean, it's, it's really, it's hard to fathom how anybody could be this disconnected, this delusional about what the problems the country really faces right now are, but we just see the world entirely, we're just seeing the world entirely differently. I mean, the left still, you know, adheres to this emotion over fact. Uh, the, the whole country is just racist all the time. There's systemic racism everywhere. And if we march and scream about it, it's gonna change. I always wanna ask, what are they gonna change? Because the things they say they're gonna do, like defund the police, are, are stupid. That's dumb. I, it's not like I don't think it's a good idea, it's a dumb idea. So how do we fix this, Jesse? I mean, how do we get here? The college campuses and the culture were taken over by left-wing radicals. And people said, oh, it's just, it's just Hollywood and it's just universities. Who do you think's really influencing your kids, folks? And then they grow up and guess what happens? Buck, finally, I want to read something directly off the Black Lives Matter website. So nobody knows, so, every, so nobody accuses me of cherry-picking something. I didn't find some random meme on Facebook or something somewhere. This is off the Black Lives Matter website. We foster a queer-affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexual. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family, structurally requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I would encourage other people to do so. But I will say, Buck, I'm mortified at the normalization of the Black Lives Matter movement as if just because it has that name, they're really just a caring movement about black people. This is a verb. It's verbatim. Everything in the leftist agenda, it's almost like it was written by some white college liberal, which it probably was. And people now treat this group as if just a legitimate group, right? They're just out making signs. Jesse, I, I rarely get to the point where I wish that I could just start uh, cursing profusely uh, when I'm doing the work <laughs> that I do. And, and I'm there with this, man. I, I just... I don't know how anyone, and there are conservatives too who are like, hey, hold on, there's a legitimate grievance. No, 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 no. No, we've already been through this. I've already debated this. I debated this at CNN with Van Jones. I've been through this with the narrative that black men are being hunted for sport by law enforcement on a systematic basis is a lie. It is a lie that is not occurring. 
All right, there, this is like saying that we all can't go outside because of lightning strikes. They do happen, but you have to continue to live your life and you can't use that as a means of shutting down whatever you don't like because there is this risk out there. <sighs> it's, um, it's very frustrating, man. I, I, I wish that I could say that we on the, on the right were even, like why aren't people more upset that the lockdowns were a fraud? Because they were. I mean, answer that. I mean, I, I can't. I mean, Jesse, you and I have been yelling about this for months, not just to each other on our respective shows across the country. We were right. Where, where are all, all of our fellow conservatives? Why are people, you know, Tucker Carlson's lighting up on Fox. God bless him. There are a few other places, but a lot of people are such wimps on this issue. Oh, I don't want to be called racist. They're going to call you racist anyway, because it's not about actually being racist. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to that man. He's right. Buck Sexton of the Buck Sexton Show right here on The First. I appreciate you, my brother. Thanks, Jesse. And that's it for our special. And you know what made it extra special? Me. Enjoy. I'll see you. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 